0: And this is Talking Pictures, our weekly review of movies and film. I'm Hollis Monroe. Joining us from the Kirkwood station, the uh, Kirkwood Channel Radio Vault, I believe. He's in an undisclosed location today. <laughs> I know he's preparing for the return of At the Movies with Film, is our resident film guru, Professor of Film Encyclopedia Brown. Hello, out there. And joining us in studio with his nice and naughty list and this delayed version of the best and worst, the final version of 2023's best and worst list is Scott the Amazing Chrisman. Hello, everyone. Film, tell us what you thought was really exceptional in this past year.
1: Well, I thought that this year really kind of shaped up better than maybe anticipated. And uh, I went through looking for the the good and the bad and so on. And really what I came up with <laughs> was... Uh, a bunch of films that I think really rose to the top, and uh, a few films that were disappointments and honorable mentions. Um, my first film out of the shoot is Godzilla minus one. Mm. Uh, here's a film that really uh, is remarkable. Uh, coming out uh, after experiencing that film, uh, it hearkens uh, to the best of the kaiju. It is uh, it is uh, as good as or better than the 1954. Uh, origin uh, uh, tale of this. And what really makes this film work so well is is that, well, one of the things that happens in these uh, monster films uh, is that the human element sort of is like uh, they're pushed to the side, they're bystanders, they stand on the side of cliffs or hills and kind of cheer on their favorite monsters and things like that. So you keep saying, well, get rid of the human element uh, because you don't have enough of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Focus more on the monsters here. Great balance between the human story uh, and the monster story, and they really make that work really well. I I, I actually found uh, tears coming to my eyes at the uh, end of that film, not just because of the narrative, but because how well they pulled that film off. Uh, that that to me is a is a fantastic uh, monster film, uh, and I h- highly recommend it. My second film is John Wick Chapter Four. Mm. Gotta have John Wick in there. I mean, this is supposedly the finish of the uh, of the cycle of the uh, what the epic saga mm-hmm. of uh, and now turning into a franchise because we have some uh, things uh, on the and side of Continental, very right, spin spinoffs that are coming out of it. Uh, but uh, this was a great way to end, if it is the end, uh, the cycle of uh, the man and his dog, uh, John Wick, uh, coming to a, a conclusion. Uh, and really does it in a remarkable way. The, the, the ending of the, the, the grand shootout, if you will, is staged magnificently. Uh, the build up to it uh, and the, uh, the vicissitudes of Wick uh, making his way uh, to the, well, to the journey of the end game is really well wrought. Uh, I found this to be a beautiful uh, ending. I hope that they do end it here. Uh, It does end with a little bit of like, well, wink, wink, maybe uh, it's not so. uh, But uh, I think that this is where you should draw the line with uh, John Wick 4 and let these other uh, sidebar things sort of uh, spin out on their own. So John Wick, Chapter 4, great. And and Keanu Reeves is great, uh, obviously, in the film as well. Hmm. My third film is a documentary in the Court of the Crimson King, uh, King Crimson at 50. Wow. Uh, this is Toby Amos's attempt to uh, put uh, one of the, my favorite band of all time, the progressive band, King Crimson, uh, helmed or the sort of the ostensible leader of the band, uh, Robert Fripp, uh, uh, on film and sort of capture what King Crimson is all about uh, from 1969 up to They're Still cooking. Uh, to this day. And I was very lucky to uh, have uh, gone to uh, uh, one of the uh, 50th anniversary concerts as well in Chicago Ooh, uh, just wow. a couple of years back. And to me, that was one of the grand moments of my life. Uh, what makes this film so good? OK, it's not just one of your talking head documentaries where you uh, you know kind of gather a bunch of people and reminisce about the band and so on, which it does have. And it does uh, gather people from its earliest period up to its most recent incarnations. But it's also, uh, as Toby uh, Amos is making the film, he is, uh, uh, what, uh, he runs into some resistance. And you can bet who the resistance is. That's Robert Fripp, who is a very mercurial figure (laughs) in and of himself, who uh, really resists uh, the, uh, what, some of the questions that are posed to him. He embraces some of the questions that are imposed to him reframes them, and uh, it, it's just, it's interesting to see how that film plays out in the tug-and-war against, uh, between uh, Fripp and the uh, the filmmaker. I, I find that remarkable as a documentary. My fourth film is Oppenheimer. Yes, got to get I put Oppenheimer in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nolan is fantastic uh, in uh, the direction and writing of this film. Uh, Killian Murphy, obviously, as Oppenheimer. Uh, is wonderful. What I really admire about the Oppenheimer film and what Nolan has done with it, he doesn't, uh, well, he doesn't shy away from complexity. He does not shy away from ambiguity. Uh, He really uh, respects his audience at the level of, now okay, uh, you don't need to be a physics major to understand the film, uh, but certainly he doesn't shy away from physics. He doesn't shy away from the political dynamics which really is the the center of the film the political dynamics of from the uh, uh, the 30s up into the creation of the bomb and post bomb period for oppenheimer and the culture at large uh, so i found oppenheimer to be a uh, a complex nuanced film my fifth film uh, and i gotta get it in there killers of the flower moon uh, 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 martin scorsese's most recent film uh, what I really enjoyed about this film, it's a lengthy film, uh, but it was worth it, uh, is the excruciating uh, uh, relationship that he, uh, it depicts through uh, uh, DiCaprio and Gladstone, this uh, uh, the husband and wife uh, dynamic of uh, uh, dealing with, well, the issue of the uh, Osage uh, tribe uh, uh, folks being uh, deprived or murdered in order to get their oil rights. And likewise, uh, DiCaprio sucked into this and uh, loving his wife, but killing his wife at the same time. That uh, ambiguity uh, and uh, uh, that we have towards uh, and feeling towards DiCaprio is really well played out. Uh, I think DiCaprio, uh, as awards are going out recently, he's not getting uh, any kind of track on this. I think he deserves more on that. And also the great villain in here uh, is De Niro. And also, it's good to see Scorsese break out into a Western, if you will, uh, as opposed to being the gritty street guy, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what you think of Scorsese in a lot of cases. Uh, So I I really found that to be wonderful. My disappointment for the year was Bo is Afraid. Uh, (laughs) I know, Ari Aster. uh, And I'm sad to say that because I like Ari Aster. I like what he has done. uh, And um, uh, I just found the film to be. Bo is dull, is what I always come out thinking <laughs> with that film. Uh, Joaquin Felix, uh, Phoenix is, uh, well, uh, it makes sense the kind of character he's playing. is a very depressed individual and so on. He's very monotone. His face never really changes. But it gets monotonous, and it just really bugged me. I tried like crazy to get into the film. I could not. It was over long. I found the ending to be somewhat cliched and stretched. I did like some of the uh, sequences and the the strange play that takes place in the middle. But beyond that, I just say, stay away from Bo.
0: All right.
1: Okay, did I have an honorable mention? Real quick, just real quick. Okay. And that's Ari Aster produced film uh, Dream Scenario uh, with Nicolas Cage. I found that to be a remarkable film. More on that one perhaps later.
0: All right. Thank you. Scott, best and worst. Well, <clears throat> I want to preface it with saying that I was really excited for a lot of different things in 2023, and most of them were disappointing. <laughs> so uh-huh. it, was, it was kind of hard to gather, and I got to relive some of the, oh, I thought that was going to be good, and oh, it didn't turn out to be that good. Uh, so I was going through my list, but the ones that I really liked that I felt like rose above things here, uh, one of which was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, it continued where the previous one left off and re- reinvigorating the animated genre. Uh, Plays on kids and grown-up levels both. Uh, Phil Lord, Christopher Miller continue to bring a new flavor to things. Uh, It's just a fun ride that made you feel good leaving the theater, and I I miss that. Um, I like the way the creators challenged what an animated film can be in bringing uh, comic pages to the screen. Reminds me a little bit of what Ang Lee tried to do with the Hulk and did not succeed overly (laughs) well, Uh, but this one was in a good way and very successful. Uh, Also note that it was the longest American animated film to date at 140 minutes, but it does not feel like it. So that was interesting to go. Uh, oh, it actually earned its time. Uh, the second one, just saw recently here, Wonka. I uh, thought it was a nice follow-up to the original. I was very uh, trepidatious going in, going, oh, this other one's you know been a classic for a long time, and please don't break it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they give some great nods without being too pandery. Uh, so there's nice little winks to the previous film that aren't overly forefront, but they're there. Uh, solid cast, good story. Feels like an instant classic, just like the previous. So I think kids who see it now will be showing it to their kids someday down the road. Shalimay uh, had reservations about, but he did a great job. Uh, well done, music, set, art direction, all works and lands well. And I thought it was a nice follow up uh, to the previous. Uh, next one, I think maybe one of my probably my favorite, if not up up there top five easily this year. Uh, was Air. Uh, feels like a throwback to the kind of small movies we aren't seeing much anymore, or at least not successfully in my mind we're not seeing them. Uh, tells a good story. Interesting piece of American history about the creation of the, the Air Jordan shoe, uh, Nike company in the 80s. Interesting piece of American history that I didn't feel like has been explored that much in this way, so it's very nostalgia-heavy for me, uh, having been around in that time. Uh, It reminds me of the narrative version of the series, the toys that made us and the movies that made us from Netflix, and those would be the shoes that made us, apparently, (laughs) uh, for air. And an athlete that in a way united the country, even fans of opposing teams had great respect for Michael Jordan, and to watch this all unfold again in retrospect was fun and made me feel good. Uh, The idea of an executive at a third-place shoe company had that kind of underdog feel and changed Not only how we do marketing and sports marketing in a tremendous way, but it's a solid portrayal of the 80s and brought tears to my eyes and a very American story from our recent past. So I enjoyed Air a lot. On the honorable list, uh, streaming's been doing some great things, and I love the development that a longer series can give you, Uh, Gen V, which was an offshoot of The Boys, uh, which is a I see it kind of as a social commentary cloaked in the midst of some incredible <laughs> violence and gore and over-the-top sort of uh, dark comedy sort of ideas. Uh, so I've enjoyed that one a lot, as well as The Boys previously, but I'm not sure where that last season landed in time. Uh, Superpowered, The Story of DC, uh, to me it should be subtitled Back When They Were Good, <laughs> uh, gives a good history of what, you know, what those characters can be, and we'll get to a little bit more here in a second, but the... Uh, other series that that struck me had its final season this year was Barry on HBO. Uh, Bill Hader is a hitman who's got a nice blend of comedy, humanity, and absurdity as a former uh, soldier, tries to deal with his past as well as his current choice of employment as a hitman as things get crazier and crazier when he also decides to pursue an acting career on top of it. So where they've led that character through f- four seasons now, has been an interesting ride for sure. And my, my major disappointment, and I, I preface this with I may have had too high of expectations, but it just fell flat for me, was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm. And I really went in expecting and hoping for another Raiders or a Last Crusade or something that had a nice tied together story and maybe my expectations were too high. And I get that he's an older character, that didn't bother me. Just the whole flow of the story didn't work out for me and I was expecting expecting one of those I ended up with Crystal Skull minus some points maybe. Ouch. So yeah, it just didn't fall for me. Uh, the rest of the list on the disappointments kind of is filled out by a lot of DC things. Uh, didn't care for the Flash that much, it seemed like a lot of shiny emptiness. Um, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, same thing, Blue Beetle. Pretty much any DC this year was, again, hopefully the tailing end of, well, that didn't work. So (laughs) I'm excited to see what, well, let's see, I'm I'm hopeful, hopeful for the James Gunn relaunch. But they have a lot to prove. We'll see if they can deliver. All right. Thank you very much. Folks, what did you think of 2023? Tell us what you gave your thumbs up or thumbs down. Our email address is talkingpics at kcck.org.